and welcome to Hoof Podcast. Podcast that talks about anything that has a hoof or wears a hat and everything in between. The Hoof to Hat Podcast is being brought to you by Arbar B Saddle Tack Trailers and a whole bunch more, right? <laughs> a lot more. A lot more. You name it, we got it. RBRB, you can find them online with their online store that's up and going now at rbarb.com or come by and see us in Topeka, Kansas. I'm your host, Rusty Walker, along with my co-host, Russ Brown. And in the podcast studio in our little chicken house room is Clint Tatum. We were talking with Clint last podcast uh, about his days as a rodeo pickup man and all the fun and romancing and dancing that you did all those years. Clint, thanks for coming back to our podcast, Hoof to Hat. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we we heard some good stories about you being a pickup man, but that can only last so long. What happened after you got tired of being on the road? And that's basically what happened. The road, um, being gone from home so much and, you know, being gone from my wife and other family and everything, well, it's, it's a load and I just... It was time to come home. Oh, I tell you, just getting ready for when I go off for the weekend for a mounted shoot, I'm three days out thinking, okay, what am I packing? I don't want to pack too much. What am I going to have to do? Who's going to take their, the animals when I go? There's a lot. And then you get there, and it's work just to go do something fun. You are doing this for your work. I can't even imagine all the ins and outs that go into that. Yeah, scheduling horses to be shod when you're home or all this. And then you come home and you drag your laundry in, yep. you do your laundry, you put it back and you got, you keep the trailer stocked, you know, groceries, all that. It's a, yeah, constant. I'd, I'd say it puts a whole new meaning on the word efficiency. Yeah. Because if you didn't become pretty efficient, it would be a thing. Yeah, yeah, because you have to have what you need with you. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I'd be leaving here, it would be 10 below. And I'd unload in Texas and, you know, winter blankets leaving, taken off halfway there, stored the whole time you're down there, then have to have room to. Yeah, and put it all back on yeah. halfway home. Yeah. yeah. And none of us are getting younger, so that gets old. Yeah, the driving and traveling alone, that's that's probably... I always wanted to know what it felt like to have my fill. Yeah? I wanted to know what it... To feel like I didn't feel like I had to go or need to go. And working for Stace, I got that. You got you got filled up mm-hmm. instead of worn down. Yeah. Or maybe a little of both. Both. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stace puts on a lot of rodeos, and they're big rodeos. Yeah, and I mean, uh, he puts on rodeos from uh, Ogden, Utah to Mississippi. Yeah. That's a, a lot of real estate in between. A lot of real estate. There's a lot of real estate. There's a lot of highways. So uh, what does a, a pickup man do when you've had your fill and you come off the road is that that seems like it would be a hard thing to come down off of it was a major transition you work you got up early in the morning fed horses done that he went back got breakfast went back took a nap got up cleaned up horses and then went to bed again about two in the morning or whenever mm-hmm. and it was hard coming home to 
you know, kind of like out of the service or something, right. back to civilian life. A normal mm-hmm. routine. Yeah, and plus my wife and I had to get used to being around one another all wow. the time. Yeah. Because I think the last year I went really hard, I picked up, it was like 170 nights out of the year. <laughs> That's a lot. And, That's a lot of nights. And then you go from that, of living out of your living quarters, to moving back in and being home all the time. You know, Friday night at or Thursday night at, six o'clock i'm pacing around right you're wanting to go somewhere a yeah. caged cat yeah yeah and you know i'd had my fill i was glad everything i'd done and everything had worked out you know kind of like i'd wanted it to but i got the itch and local guys hey come help me here help me there and i got back in doing it on a you know back to the amateur rodeos a little bit but local stuff and then that was a pain because you know, if I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back. So I even, I walked away from that. And thankfully, all along through all of it, I'd always roped. And my team roping gave me an outlet to kind of fill that void. I could go team rope. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, when you when you just said that, you couldn't dabble being a pickup man, I wouldn't think, because your horse has got to be in the best of shape. To you know, I mean, it's like there's a lot of things in life that you kind of either need to be in or mm-hmm. or be out. You got to be pot committed. Dab- I mean, yeah, yeah, because dabbling would either one hurt you it, yep. or or hurt a horse, Get or or hurt. you're not on your game to do your best job for the cowboy that you're picking up. You know, what I mean, right. so yeah, I could see where dabbling would not be an, an option, really. So you started picking up day work. Well, yeah, I started where I worked for several different cow outfits and doing that and tried that route. Well, did that route. And uh, in the fall, being where we're at in the Kansas River bottoms, I'd haul grain Mm -hmm. and being between working cattle. And I was busy all the time, but it wasn't a career. The idea of of the cowboy still is alive here in the Midwest, or oh, here, here yeah, in America. Yeah, day working's a real thing. I don't very, think a lot of people understand very that. Very much that. so, and there's not, there's a need there to be filled even more so than it can be right now, because everybody wants to be a cowboy till they take the vow of poverty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a vow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're only going to make so much money, and you can't. You can't necessarily live like the other part of the world if that's what you choose to do. Mm-hmm. But if you choose, if that's what you choose to do, you kind of know that, right? And that's okay. Right. The, the the satisfaction in the work and living the life is something to be said. And I still get calls, you know, and uh, catching cattle people can't catch. I'll go. Zach Parrington will call. Hey, somebody called me. We he's got two cows. We got to go catch them. And I go with Zach, you know, and yeah, it's fun and something to do. And, uh, but the day work, uh, it was just like going home, so to speak, back to what, where I come from, basically. And it wasn't paying the bills. So you decided to have another career? Yeah, I was uh, a friend of my wife's, Angie Gantz. Mm -hmm. Is the owner of AG Insurance, which you actually day worked for them I before this, cattle right? And yeah, all grain yeah, for them. yeah, because they farm really big yeah. and have cattle. Yeah, and, and her husband and his brother—I uh, don't know how many acres they yeah. farm, but uh, I'd been helping them, and she goes, 
in getting to know me through her husband and knowing my wife, she said, you need to go take your state board's insurance test. Oh, that sounds sexy. You could do this. <laughs> because that goes hand in hand. Pickup man, day worker, <laughs> insurance, insurance test. It's like, whoa, somebody made a hard left. What? Er, put on the brakes. And that's a career change. It, it was, I mean, uh, yeah, complete change. <laughs> um, and the funny part of it was it wasn't everybody thinks, you know, an educated cowboy and this and that. Well, um. No, I wasn't a very good student in high school. Um, Did you just read my mind? College. (laughs) (laughs) College, I done good. I was paying them to be there. Yeah. It was a whole different different attitude. Um, And I'm not uneducated. So it wasn't that big of a transition. Uh, Just the wardrobe changed. And the state of mind of what I was doing, when I worked for rodeo companies... And picked up Bronx and day work. I had to sell myself to everybody I come across. Because if they didn't believe in me, I wasn't around long. Yeah. So I kind of took that to the insurance side of the sales and do a lot of commercial and farm, which I feel like I can talk to them on a good level. You know, so, on an educated level, an experienced level. Well, and yeah. uh, you hit on something there, the trust. You, uh, everybody's got to trust that pickup man that you're going to be there exactly at the moment you need him. Same with an insurance yeah. guy. Who do you need you to think? trust as much or more than your insurance man to do yeah. the right thing and have your best interest at heart every time? Yeah. And hey, it's come- not nine to five. And a lot of people complain about the business that way because you get those phone calls. Mm-hmm. Because if those... You, it's not like you don't give your clients your cell phone number. Yeah. They've got to have it. And when they need something, it's never office hours. You know, yeah, the you, storm doesn't happen between or, 9 a.m. and 5.15 p.m. Between Monday, or, Monday to uh, Friday, right. The customers, their children are grown adults, and now they have a life, and they're married, and they're trading cars for the first time, and it's Saturday, and they call, what do I need to do? Right. That's part of it. And I don't mind that. Yeah. That's probably the part I like as much as any of it. So is there different types of insurance? I'm going to really ask you some stupid questions here coming up because if uh, if people think about insurance, they I can just hear everybody go, ugh, I don't want to know about insurance. But there's some, I got some legitimate questions. Well, and who would, who would you rather have as your insurance agent? than a cowboy think about this the uh, logic behind it mm-hmm. and the background and the the just pure honesty of it yeah um, i mean he's my agent we'll just go ahead and throw that out there clint's clint carries all of our pretty much all of our insurance and we can sit down and have a meaningful conversation what's really cool is we can talk about cows horses and a little, a little bit of insurance and we can talk about cows and horses <laughs> then we can talk about a little bit of insurance and some more cows and horses and we can leave the fluff out of the insurance yeah yeah, yeah. real num- real real talk just it's awesome to the numbers and yeah this is what i need this is what i do here and what's not mm-hmm. and that's been my whole point since i've started this part of my life is if you anybody if you want me to quote something i'll quote it i'll try to get the best for you and the best coverage and don't feel like you have to do anything i don't i'm not here to yeah it's great when people buy what i'm selling Mm -hmm. but i don't base it off every 
I mean, because what's meant to be will happen. And if it fits, it fits. Yeah. And if I can help somebody, great. If I can't and you've got a better deal where you're at, stay. Yeah. Because I'm not going to keep you happy in the long run. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some stupid questions here. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Here comes Rusty's stupid questions. I've got. That could be a segment. Uh, Rusty's stupid, stupid questions, questions of the day. <laughs> There's, it's every moment of every day. Uh, I got three acres. I've got some horses. What happens if the neighbor brings their grandkids over and one of my horses bites, takes their fingers, mistakes them as carrots, and bites one of those grandkids' fingers? And there's an injury, and there's a doctor's bill. Am I covered? How am I covered? How do I get covered? I can't tell you if you're covered in your current right. But what would you um, recommend? But I, everybody that owns any kind of livestock or animal needs liability. Okay, for that, and there's many different ways you can go about it with your some companies, and every company's different. Some companies you can have some incidental farms with your policy of a home and few acres where you can get liability for some livestock okay if you're in close proximity of a lot of people you can't control you want to make sure you have a pretty good limit of liability insurance and or, that's not automatic correct no. on your paul like a homeowner's policy well say. there's liability but it doesn't necessarily cover horses Ah. Yeah, yeah, ah, uh, ah, yeah that's ah. a big uh. just because you own a home and you got homeowners liability it doesn't necessarily cover any lives so like homeowners it just made me think if you're living in town and you have a dog and it bites somebody is it the same as if you have a horse that bites somebody no because a dog is a domestic pet ah uh, ah bingo See? and a horse is livestock livestock I do know so that. So far, okay. yes. they've tried to change Yeah, that, which we do not want to happen, no, by the no, way. No. But we won't go into that right now. Yeah, that's another podcast. Too. But, um, yeah, you need something in place for equine mm-hmm. or livestock. Okay, so what happens? Here I am with my little my little wannabe ranch, and uh, I go to a mounted shoot, which I do a lot, and, and my horse pulls back on my trailer and kicks somebody else's truck. You're... Liability should carry over through that. Even even if my horse is off the property. All right. If you've got livestock where it covers your equine. So livestock liabilities is the key to all of this. Yeah, and you've got to look to make sure it's off premises. Mm -hmm. Because there's some that's on premises, some that travel with you, some that don't. Yeah. Back to having an agent that has good common sense and has your best interest. And the main thing is... There's no stupid questions, and whenever you're dealing with something like this and you have something that's out of the ordinary from, like, every house down your street, mm-hmm. then you need to ask all those questions. Oh, yeah. This you this know? is very intriguing. Um, okay, so th- this is one of my biggest fears of my life, and a couple of years ago, it almost came true. I'll tell you a quick little story. Uh, needed some hay. It was the middle of winter. Sterling and I were getting ready to go 
to Texas for a couple of weeks to get away. And so Jeff Van Patten <laughs> was bringing me over around Bale, and I was in visiting with the neighbors who were gonna, who was going to take care of our property, going over the list of to-dos. And it was snowing outside. And so Sterling goes out. He's like, I'll, I'll get Jeff. I'll open the gates for Jeff. Well, Sterling opened up the main gate and then opened up the round pin gate where the horses, but he didn't shut the main gate because he's like, oh, the horses will see the hay and not go anywhere. No. Horses saw, they saw oh, the open gate. Saw the open gate. So I'm sitting there and it's snowing, like I said. So I uh, sitting there with my neighbor and she goes, oh my God, that's so beautiful. I'm like, what's so beautiful? She goes, your horses just went running by in the snow. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And they ran straight to 62nd Street and they're running up the street. What? Because they're horses. So in the flash of my mind was, holy crap, a truck's going to pop over that hill and hit my horses. Thank God that didn't happen and everything turned out okay. But what if my horses got hit by a truck? That goes back to your liability. And for the damages for your horses being out caused to somebody else. Then on the other side of that, then you want your horses insured through your hobby farm or farm policy. Yeah. For X amount of dollars of what they're worth. Yep. And then they would pay on the horse as well as the liability. And people sometimes think, well, that's kind of morbid. You're going to insure my horse in case it dies. I mean, you hear that, oh, like the Kentucky Derby horses, and uh, they are insured, obviously, for millions of dollars and blah, 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 blah. But my horse is just my, my hobby horse. He's not. But what would it cost to replace him? Right. And that's the thing. And that's where you sit down with your agent and decide whether you want to equine mortality policy mm-hmm. or you just want your run-of-the-mill $15,000 on a farm policy if he gets struck by lightning if he gets out and gets hit or if he gets shot by a stray a stray bullet hits him from uh, a hunter or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then then you can go to the other side of the coin and go into the equine mortality, actually equine insurance, where you can add um there's just more coverages that go along with it um but it's a lot higher you know per year but you can also get emergency colic surgery with it you can add major medical to it and the question i get a lot is loss of use we do not do that on performance horses or anything you can't find i hadn't even thought about loss of use but you can't you can't on a it's not it's not a thing no but i have so many people go well i want to share my horse because if i can't use him well the equine mortality says it all mortality Mm -hmm. now if your horse gets hurt and has to be euthanized it covers it okay or if your horse say you've had your horse insured a couple of years and it's you have to renew it every year it's not it doesn't automatically renew and um say a horse gets diagnosed with epm and has to be euthanized and it would cover things like that it's dequine mortality is just a whole lot more coverage now your basic wind rain fire hail lightning stuff your basic perils is more what you get from your farm insurance with a horse on there things that as horse owners we don't even think about a lot of times like you just bring your horse home you put in the pen and all is well yeah until it's not well and i hate that when people call when the bad does happen and they call and they go 
did I have insurance on that? <laughs> right. Yes. And, and if you have to ask, probably, probably the not. answer is no. no. I mean. And, you know, no, you didn't. When we went through, you wanted this. You wanted to keep this cost down, and you sure. didn't want any extras. So, no. And I can't lie. I'm guilty of that, I too. You know, when you're, when you're looking at it, we're all guilty of, man, uh, that's, that's 50 extra dollars a month or a year yeah. or whatever. and. Oh, it'll be all right. Nothing will ever happen, you know. Yeah, you yeah. have to look at the chances, the odds, and yeah. weigh those against your budget. And yep. what you're doing with them. True. I mean, are you traveling with a horse a lot, or this or that, or is it mainly used at home or on the ranch or whatever? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the more you haul a horse, yeah, the more, yep. it the more chance. The percentage of something, I mean, like the colic and all that. Yeah. That's true. So, obviously, you're the go-to guy for people that have ranches and and livestock and whatnot. Um, How long have you been in the insurance industry? Oh, my. Probably longer than we think. (laughs) Probably nine years. I bet you've seen a lot of funny calls about, hey, uh, this happened. How do we write this one up? You know, I really haven't had that many oddball deals. Um Fortunately, most of the people I deal with are farmers, ranchers, and horse people. Yeah. So I haven't had that many personally that I've had to deal with, but I've had one of my own. I um, was picking up a rodeo one night, and with a friend of mine, Mike Flattery, and I, we picked up a lot of rodeos together, and I was come out to switch horses after the bareback riding, and was going to go back in, and he'd come out and switch. And I had a young horse I was riding with me that I was running calves of steers out on. Got off my old horse through the rain over the trailer, uh, reached down, took my shaps, pickup shaps off, and just tossed them on the ground in the neck of the trailer. And my young horse spooked, pulled back, broke loose, and caved the side of his Dodge pickup in. <laughs> Oh, parked across from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just literally backed right into it. Just run backwards into it. She probably weighed. She's probably twelve hundred pound big baby mare. Just, just left her butt, left imprint yeah. for sure. Oh no! So I said, yeah. I said I got insurance, and this was before I was in the business, right? And uh, I, you know, with the parking and and tying up to your trailer at events and shows. Uh, well, Russ, you just had a big event last weekend, and there it was tied up there. Yeah, up yeah. at your arena. Yeah, I mean you're 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 in there. A lot of times, your your horse is only a few feet away from from the hundred thousand dollar truck beside it. Right. You know? <laughs> but so but the yeah. smart thing anymore now that I look back is when you pull in and park, make sure your ties are to another trailer. Right, not the not truck. Not the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, until something happens, you don't think about that stuff. No. It's not a problem. No. It becomes one. And mm-hmm. I was in a hurry. Well, of course you were. It was 100 degrees. We're always in a hurry. That's, we live life in a hurry. <laughs> hurry up. Get done with that. That's good advice. Hey, I've been there. And that's one thing that you kind of want from an insurance man. Not that I... Well, that lets him think of the things that we don't. Uh-huh. That's that's what's awesome about experiences is you got something to draw from. So one of the other things that people talk about insurance a lot is events. Um, hey, I want to have a, a calf roping event, raise money for XYZ. Um, hey, we're going to rent an arena and have people out 
what about insurance? A lot of times people won't rent their uh, their arena to, to a group unless they have insurance. Right, and we provide that. Um, we've got several. We're an independent agency, so we've got several different companies. Um, that's kind of a standard anymore. At first, it was kind of an odd deal. I mean, I didn't have that much of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, from the background I come from, everybody was, hey, I'm having a rope or I'm having a burrow race or we're having a cut and we need something. What do we need? Yeah. So there's a couple different companies that specialize in that stuff. And I try to use those companies that that is their specialty. Well, that makes sense. And it depends on number of people, whether you're charging admission. You know, those are the big factors. Yeah. And charge admission is a big thing. And I would have never thought of that either. If you don't charge admission, it's a total different deal than if you do. And I'm not sure why is because do you know it, why that is? What, well, why is because that? you're selling that spectator a seat to be there oh. or a reason to be there. Therefore, you assume more. They're, you assume more liability. They're not just. Otherwise, if you're not putting on a show and charging admission. And they show up and watch. That was their own accord. They didn't see it advertised oh. on TV and buy a ticket and come. But you could charge the contestants to come and participate. Right. Because the, you, the contestant, by participating in an event, mm-hmm. you can't get insurance to cover the participants. Because they are assuming their own, own liability or risk. Whatever. Or risk, because, liability. Because they willingly signed up or whatever They the willingly case entered, signed up. And then you got your events like Russ has here with the races, the cowboy races type stuff, you know. And that is an association within itself and kind of govern that away. But the liability is for the people around or anything that would get damaged because of the event on the ground. Okay. Do you see my face glazing over? Do I look like I'm confused? <laughs> I bet you get a lot of people that way, and you're like, just yeah, trust me. It's, I, it's really pretty me. simple when you get it all down on paper. It's pretty cut and dried. And I mean, in this day and age we live in, luckily we come from an industry that has less of it than anybody. Oh, I would say that'd well, be right. Yeah, the I'd say that'd be right. You sure. hear about the, just the word suing people, people suing people um, all over in the news. It happens all the time, but kind of in our industry we kind of assume the risk i mean i remember this is years ago i was uh riding some colts and i mean this is a long time ago and i went over to a friend's house and they had this horse right off the track trying to make it into a barrel horse and so i was loping circles with it anyway it broke in half and broke me in half i went i got a concussion um i hurt my thumb and uh my leg swelled up didn't think too much about it but it hurt, so I went to the doctor, and sure enough, I had a dislocated thumb, I had a concussion, and I broke my leg. Anyway, my friend, of course, was very interested in my injuries, uh, and I would never think about suing her, you know, or try to get money out. Now, I had health insurance from my full-time job, and, and so it covered right. getting... But I guess when I think about it, if I if it was being out-of-pocket health uh, bills, some medical bills, I probably would have said, you know what, I kind of need some help with this, you know? But Yeah, where you were helping them out by doing it, you know, and yeah. I've went, oh, 
I go over rope like a Jeff Van Patten's occasionally or something. Yeah. And I'll ride young horses and stuff. And my head horse, he gets fresh if he hadn't rode quite a bit, you know. And they'll, they will, they'll buck every now and then the first couple or something. But, you know, how could I ever blame somebody else for my, or want them to cover yeah. something that happened, me riding my horse? Your own horse. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I worked. Yeah. Well, as a pickup man and day worker, nobody paid you nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I did work for some great contractors that when I got hurt bad did help out. But a lot of them and a lot of ranches you work for, you're just on your own. Yeah. You know? And that's one, uh, like we said, a, a great thing about our industry and just the, the, the way we look at life. You know, you get out of bed, you are assuming some risk. You, you, put one foot in front of the other you're assuming some risk absolutely well i think when we take time from our hectic lifestyles because the world the way i see it has made all of us hectic Mm -hmm. our lives are hectic there's so many outside pressures anymore from what anybody does day to day and russ and i were talking about this in the saddle room the other repair room the other day you know back to having fun at what we do amen you know and just taking that deep breath and looking where you're at right now and being thankful for where you're at yeah i think there's a lot more people in our industry that look at life that way in the horse industry and the ranch industry versus the other i'm gonna go so far as to say if everybody could come has have a visit in the saddle repair room life would be better for everyone there is some serious serious philosophy that goes on in the repair room you got therapy you You got leather therapy it's therapy yeah that's you could put we could fix the world one person at a time if they just come sit in the repair room for a couple hours and get repaired yeah do I need leather work? No, no. I need head. I need hat work between <laughs> my ears. I need frame of mind. Yeah. Actually, you do have a barber's chair in there, and do. you do have a hair dresser that works for you now. I know, and I have no hair. So if you put Jen in that, and they get a haircut and a shave and a beard trim, a beard. Oh, see, trim, wouldn't that be right. fun? We're gonna we're working a on a bit of head shrinking going on on your forty seventh business here, Russ. Hey, yeah, because I need something. another something to do. You need another something to do. Well, I think that brings us to story time. You ready for story time? I'm ready. What are we storying about today? We were talking off air that Clint and I know some uh, people in you too, Russ. Uh, by the last I name, I know people. You know people by the last name. I'm gonna drop a name. Rumfords. Ah, uh, uh, we all know the we a little, history we, of rodeo in Kansas. Yeah, yes, yes exactly. Keeping yeah. it real. Are we going to tell a little Justin story? Or Would you doing? please tell us now? My Justin story, Justin Rumford. I used to work at Benjamin Ranch way back in the eighties, and Bronk was a young man, and I think Justin was an infant when I first met him. Probably so. Yeah. he would have had to been. Yeah, he was an infant, and Bronk. Oh my gosh, what a character he is. So what's your Rumford? How did you get um, to know the Rumfords? And do you have tell us your good Justin Rumford story? Uh, Rumford start way back when, if I'm correct, Floyd got his start. I think they started with URA rodeos. Then they went pro, and then Bronk took it over. And I went used to compete at some of the rodeos, and then in the Bronk ride, and then Bronk and I picked up the pace. Picante, 
tour finale in Omaha together one year. I love it. The Pace Picante tour finale. That, that sounds some spicy stuff. That, that is spicy. spicy. That's a lot of title. Yeah, that is. <laughs> but, and Kate, his wife, she's times and secretaries, and his daughter, Ailey, she times and secretaries, and, uh, and Justin, he'd done everything. I mean, he'd tried Bulldog, Saddle Bronc, everything. Yeah. And I had lost track of Justin for a while. Uh-oh. We lost and, Justin. And hadn't been traveling in those circles. You just kind of regionally, you know, get away from certain people. And I was at Waterloo, Iowa, picking up for Johnny Walter. And Justin is a funny man. This is kind of... This is be before, early in Justin's funny man career, This I'm is assuming. early, early in his funny man career. So that night... Second night, um, he'd do an act where he got on a saddle bronc in his clown clothes with a bag of flour, you know, and flour everywhere. <laughs> right, and right, making the dust and fly. And his suitcase uh-huh, in uh-huh. his hand, and the suitcase comes open and scatter dirty right. laundry for half the arena. Well, I would like to see him repeat ground. that. Yeah. Justin, if you happen to ever hear this, we uh, want to see that yeah. repeated, please. Yeah. Well, he was giving Johnny a hard time about the horse he'd got on the first night. And Johnny said, ah, this one will be a lot better, Rump. <laughs> a lot better well the cattle congress building at waterloo is a little small indoor old style state fair type pavilion mm-hmm. it's pretty close quarters the horse johnny picked for him to do this with he's working here for the act this horse comes out and circles tight to the right i mean tight and is very a good bucking he's horse. athletic very very <laughs> athletic Nimble. Well, Justin gets rid of the suitcase. He has to abort that string in it across the arena and just He didn't have it open yet, so that, that mission was he aborted. he's in the middle of getting bucked off and goes over the fence and head first into a 55-gallon drum for a trash can. Oh. Like, for real. For head real. first. For real. And rolls over in, it, and in front of the crowd. <laughs> Oh, dude, and you know the crowd thought it was. Oh, the the crowd thought it was yeah. like, how did he plan that so good? <laughs> and of course, the talk around when we're done that night having a cold beverage is, you know, man, you got to do that every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you couldn't have wrote that deal no. any better. I wonder if that's on film anywhere in the world. I don't know. That would be that so was, funny. That was back before cell phones. Right. I mean, you know, now everybody had it had been on YouTube you in eight flip, seconds. You yeah. might have had a flip phone, but right. you wouldn't, you know, nobody would have the, which I'm very thankful they did not hey, have man, iPhones I've, when I was. Yeah, I've said a hundred times if that stuff would have been for real when I was younger, I would be unemployable <laughs> for sure. Or extremely popular mm, because. Duh. We got we got video on that. That would have been tons of fun. But yeah, the Rumford family, they uh they have uh done a lot for rodeo and a lot for Kansas and high school rodeos and mm-hmm. everything. And doesn't um Justin have a podcast? Yeah, Rump Chat. Rump Chat. 
That's Hillman, uh, how do you Hambone Hilton, Josh Hilton from uh, Josh originally from Sydney, Iowa. His family has a lot to do with the Sydney, Iowa rodeo and uh, on the committee and everything. Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> the so memories that, of that's where that was one of like the whole time I grew up. That was one of our big family vacations. We went to Sydney, Iowa to the rodeo, and we took our Shasta camper and we stayed out there. I think it was the campgrounds was on the east side of the. I'm getting my. I can't, I was little, I don't remember my bearings very good, but anyhow, we'd stay in the camper out there in the campgrounds at the rodeo arena, and I mean, that was a big doings. Yeah. Well, I remember my brother talking about it. My brother's, of course, 20 years older than me, um, which spreads us out a ways in the, really, the rodeos had changed, but I think at one time, Sydney was like eight or ten head. You come there back... The old days, you came there and stayed, and yeah, got I mean, it was on a thing, and got on one every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say, it was a, it was like a, it was early, a vacation for us. Like we went and stayed. That would have been in the early sixties, and I think well, that was, was not then for me. <laughs> I'd have been like mid to late seventies. Would yeah. have been my experience. But it's still of, a great rodeo. They do the committee works really hard, and it's Servey, Servey Brothers, Binion, and Chase. They have the stock, and it's. It's a good rodeo. Yeah. Days long gone about rodeos coming in for a 10-day performance, and then they have a carnival, a midway, and and that was just where everybody met. And there's something so magical and romantic about those days. That's when the town came out, and you looked forward to it, and everybody was on the rodeo committee because that's just what you did. Um, There's a few places around the country that still have – that kind of atmosphere but they're few and far between. there's a few left but not very many like not, it used yeah. to be and it's even changed you know you talk about the length of the rodeo and the committees and everybody being so involved in the saddle clubs you know it's the world we live in now even the contestants i see they don't have near the camaraderie that we used to have well, everybody's in such a danged hurry. You know, they yeah. got to leave here to be there to get and, there to and, get over here. You know, there would be, you know, four of us travel together, or three of us, you know, and everybody would be at this rodeo and we'd all hang out and stay there that night and then go on to the next one. And now you're so strung out and so many and so specialized and you might have some rodeo events here and an extreme Bronx, extreme bulls there. And those guys are just like in the wind. Yeah. We're lucky that the rodeo industry is still alive and kicking. It's changed. Um, But we're also very blessed that we still have an audience that people want to watch part of the cowboy life, whether it's nowadays or brings back nostalgia from years ago. And and that's kind of why we wanted to put on this Hoof to Hat podcast is to talk about the industry, how where it's been and where it's going, but mostly remembering some of the good stuff and clint thanks for so much for being on our podcast this this week you've brought us back some good memories of rodeo days and and how you morphed into an insurance salesman <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> the life of the rodeo cowboy that's right well, thanks happens? for having me it's been so much fun and and it just uh, reiterates the fact that it's a small world when it comes to the horse industry absolutely is you know somebody uh, that knows somebody oh yeah i know them yeah well, and it doesn't matter <laughs> whether it's rodeo horse show guys that just jackpot rope yep. or it's it's one world yeah 
Yeah, and I wish the rest of the world would get in on this yeah. uh, because it'd be a better place. But thank you so much. We're going to have to have you back and just to tell stories on each other a little bit more and maybe learn about insurance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Any time. Necessary. Yeah, but that's okay, too. Well, that's going to do it for this week of Hoof to Hat. Check us every Wednesday. We uh, drop a new episode anywhere that you pick up your podcast. You can find us. Please like and share us. You can find us on Facebook. We want to get the word out because we're just so darn impressed with ourselves. Right, Russ? Oh, we are something. There's no yeah, doubt about it. Something. I don't know what that is, but something. <laughs> we are something. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Bye. <laughs>